0: This is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier. No Doug Hay today because I am traveling and doing an interview, and I happen to be doing this, Matt Tolman, who is our guest today, uh, from my mom's house in sarasota florida i'm down here going to be going on the vegan cruise next week uh leaving from florida of course but i'm in sarasota and on the rare occasion that i happen to record a podcast for my mom's house i like to point out that i am now a, a whatever i am 36 year old podcaster doing it out of my mom's basement this one's not literally <laughs> my mom's basement but I, I did one with doug a while ago i think it was like two three years ago uh where it was quite literally out of my mom's basement so that was a milestone for me anyway uh on a more serious note, we are uh, today. We're talking about nutrient supplements with my friend, uh, a guy named Matt Tolman, who uh, we've we've started doing some work together. Have a, just connected really well over dinner, uh, talking about a book that Matt is writing and is coming out later this year uh, about the plant-based diet. And I found myself particularly inspired, uh, basically, Matt. I-, I may as well talk to you. You're here um, <laughs> <laughs> by your entrepreneurial background and way of thinking. And, uh, and particularly your big, your big grand vision of, of having a third of the population essentially be, uh, be plant based by the year 2030. So that's, that is not a small goal, not a small vision. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it is. Uh, I really like that. So it, it's, that has kind of, that jump started our, our conversations. And we've talked for many hours since then. And, uh, you know, we, we see eye to eye. I think we both have kind of an eye for practicality and, uh, and just simplifying stuff that, that I think is overly complicated, uh, a good example of which is stuff like nutrients and supplementation. So that's what we figured this episode would be a good one, just diving into uh, just kind of all the common things that you hear either recommended or debated uh, as to whether or not people who eat plant-based diets should supplement with them or should you consider it, uh, and to kind of simplify with, simplify it because a lot of that stuff is like, yes, no doubt about it, this is complicated stuff. But a lot of it has sort of a really uh, simple, easy-to-remember punchline. And I think that's what I really want to get across here is that, like, you can, you can co- hopefully come away from this uh, knowing, you know, six, seven, eight things that you, you really should think about supplementing and, uh, and have, a, have a, just a general understanding that will let you make a decision about whether or not you should. Is that fair enough, Matt?
1: Yeah, sounds great. And thanks so much for having me, Matt. Uh, I'm actually speaking to you from Mexico. So I apologize to you in the audience if you hear birds or fireworks or mariachi (laughs) bands, all of which I have heard in the last 30 minutes. So I'm not stereotyping here. That just might happen. So I apologize in advance. Um, Just just to be clear that you're not stereotyping,
0: you're there for a family wedding, right?
1: Yes, yeah. My uh, my wife is Mexican, and we are here for her. Uh, my brother in law is getting married on Saturday, so very exciting times.
0: Very nice. Feliz, uh, feliz. Yeah. What, what do they say for that? Is there a is there a happy wedding day, Mexican day, uh, Spanish thing, Spanish
1: thing? Probably just felicidades. You know, okay, it's kind of a universal congratulations. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, and thank you for making me look good because I, I I struggle along with my Spanish, but now all of the uh, listeners are going to think that I'm fluent. So. <laughs> Let's just not go into any more detail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, so let's let's I guess get down to business here. Um, Matt, why don't you start by just kind of introducing yourself? Let let the audience know your story and uh, and where this where this conversation and where our relationship kind of how it how how this stuff where this stuff stems from.
1: Sure. Um, well, you, you mentioned my uh, my mission to Mars, which is I'd like to see you know a third of the population go to a, a plant-based diet by 2030. Um, You know, I I think of it as 30 by 30, you know, 30% of of people. Um, And and that's really all about um, ending preventable diseases. You know, so many of our chronic and degenerative diseases are um, driven by lifestyle and and obviously dietary choices. So um, I I think it's a very attainable goal. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's up against a massive and entrenched bureaucracies and, and cultural forces and, and, needless to say, big commercial interests as well. So, got a lot of work ahead of me, but um, that's something that I'm excited to, to work with you on. And, uh, you know, and I do think it's attainable. I think we're, we're quickly approaching a tipping point, um, you know, where medical doctors and research clinicians have amassed, you know, all this evidence about the plant-based nutritional powers um that that can prevent and treat and even reverse chronic diseases you um, know at the same time the scientific community has you know provided this really compelling data on on why a plant-based diet is the most environmentally friendly way of uh, of eating um and probably the only sustainable way to feed a, a growing global population um, you know and on top of that I, I think an awareness of the atrocities inherent in you know, industrial scale animal agriculture and you know these Kfos um, that's driving more and more people to reject the status quo so you know as a result of these combined forces you know I, I very much see you know more and more of the population moving towards this kind of more conscious way of living um, you know and that's why we see our, our ranks growing exponentially every year and and the just proliferation of food products and, and everything else around the, the kind of plant-based or, or vegan movement so you know, now I'm focused on figuring out ways to expedite that process, whether they be through uh, commercial or, or political activities. Um, my background, to, to go a little bit further back, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a social scientist by training, but a, an entrepreneur in practice. And my last venture was in the education technology space. Um, I exited that business two years ago and, and uh found myself kind of serendipitously within that week, actually uh, supporting a loved one uh, in a hospital. It was uh, supposed to be a routine surgery and I planned on only being there for the day, but uh, ended up staying for a whole month and and literally slept in two chairs pushed together. Um, And uh, sadly, at the end of the month, um, he passed away and uh, the experience was life-changing and it was transformational for a number of reasons, but in particular, uh, what was eye-opening was his death certificate said malnutrition. Um, and, and that was just earth-shattering to me because we're talking about someone who, you know, their nutrition was prescribed and, and dosed, you know, administered by these health professionals for the entire month leading up until his death. Um, and I just couldn't wrap my head around that, you know. Um, and it was worse than just hospital food, but just kind of the whole um, sort of systemic disregard for nutrition as a really powerful tool in medicine Um, and I was able to juxtapose that with uh, an experience that um, I I sort of shared with my uncle who uh, battled cancer with a totally raw vegan diet. You It was one of those heartbreaking stories where he went into his doctor and complained of back pain and then vision problems and it just went undiagnosed for more than a year and then when he finally figured out what was going on. He had tumors all up and down his, his spinal column and in his brain, and um, they gave him a two-week prognosis. You know, it was one of those death sentences where they say, get your affairs in order. Um, and him and his wife totally rejected it and uh, searched out alternative ways to fight cancer. Um, and they were very successful doing so. He uh, lived another six or nine months i I can't recall the exact number but the point was that they saw actual regression in the tumors um based solely on you know detoxing his body and and doing a lot of juicing and going to like i said just a raw totally plant-based whole foods diet um one that you and i obviously probably advocate for and uh and it was just transformational um unfortunately he uh he succumbed to chemotherapy. Uh, he was convinced by his doctor that they should give cancer the double whammy and and do both the dietary intervention as well as chemo. Um, and within the first dose of chemo, or within the first week, I should say, he fell into a coma and passed away shortly after. Um, and again, you know, going back to that juxtaposition of experiences, you know, I saw the power of how uh, whole foods are able to to heal and even you know cure cancer. And I also saw how, if you take away those whole, you know, largely plant-based foods, um, you can see a rapid decline in the physical condition. And so that that propelled me into about uh, two years of full-time research. Um, I digested probably 200 books and uh, twice as many peer-reviewed articles. And at some point, I just realized, you know, I've I've got to put all this into a book because I felt this overwhelming. Um, responsibility to share that information and, and convince my friends and family and I figured the only way that I'd be able to do that is if I could put together a coherent uh, argument and uh, and that's the logic behind the book. So that's more than you want to know about me, but that's how we got here and uh, and why I'm so passionate about uh, this movement.
0: Yeah, so I think uh, we probably should clear up when, when you talk about the book and that you're trying to, to convince people with your book uh, or convert people that it's it's not... And I know cancer is is kind of the, the part of that story, but that's not that's not what you're saying. Right? That's not uh, what you're trying to convince people of that this is the way to cure cancer or prevent cancer, uh, as much as the much much bigger picture. Uh, that that this is sort of the the path to I guess the maybe the the foundation of a of a healthy life. That that a plant based diet is a part of that. Is that is that accurate? Like that's kind of what you're you're more about yeah. spreading that message.
1: Definitely. You know, um, there there's. I mean, Um, It is 100% not an evangelical kind of um, argument. Uh, It's really just that, um, you know, it's looking at the history of food, really, and saying that, you know, we've entirely transformed how we've eaten in the last 100 years, um, but our genes are exactly the same, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And similarly, you know, when I say we've transformed the way we've eaten you know, the amount, the type, the the composition of food products, and especially animal products, you know, um, how much refined and processed foods, you know, the sugar content. I mean, there's no shortage of issue. And and uh, to me, the real solution is, you know, just rejecting all of that kind of invention or, you know, man-made food products and going back to, you know, what is natural. And, uh, you know, but but like I said, it's, 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 Less so, you know, that we can cure cancer, you know, or do any of these kind of um, lofty goals, which, which I do believe there's an absolute role there, um, and more so just getting people to think about food and lifestyle choices in, in a more thoughtful way. You know, I think we often take for granted um, uh, how how little we know or, or how much we think we know about nutrition and and uh, what a healthy lifestyle looks like, um, and so people just kind of go with the status quo. And I'm really just trying to kind of shake them to wake up and pay attention to, you know, this budding um, uh, scientific community that all coalesces around these, you know, uh, finite set of, I- set of ideas that advocate for, um, you know, a, a dietary pattern that's rich in you know, whole plant-based foods.
0: All right, good. So, So that story – you know, leaves off with you consuming all this this science and books a, about diet, and and that's what led to your decision. Is that right to become to start eating this way?
1: Right, exactly. And uh, you know, everything was going awesome. Um, first of all, I, how long
0: how long ago was this? Just out of curiosity, it's about
1: a uh, little little over two years now. Okay. Um, and uh, and by the way, I didn't take this transformation lightly. You know, when I first stumbled upon, you know, I think the first book I read was the China Study and uh you know i called up my wife and i said you know uh stop eating everything you know we will selectively add back in you know white listed items but for now like let's stick to water because it's the only thing i can trust which you know it's a little bit hyperbolic and i don't think i said that exactly but um that that was you know kind of the the drastic nature of the change that i made and uh and in doing so you know i i've done monthly blood draws ever since you know i've I've done consultations um, and other medical tests, you know, with cardiologists, nutritionists, uh, a family doctor. Just I, I tend to go overboard on all things, um, and and the first couple years were awesome. You know, I, I saw improvements in you know every biomarker that we measured. I lost like forty pounds of excess weight, and that was by no means a goal. Um, and uh, and you know I, and I had more energy than I, I ever had, which you know is is by far the most important thing. You know I just feel better, um, which actually you know, dovetails nicely into the conversation we're gonna have today because um, even though I was feeling so much better and and uh, I, I was um, looking better in some ways, uh, I, at some point, I think about, I don't know eighteen, you know, maybe twenty months into the process, um, I, I got a really concerning blood test back, which you know, just showed really high levels of inflammation and uh, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. you know, I, I was doing everything that the plant-based luminaries suggested, you know, I, I was literally eating pounds of raw vegetables a day. Um, and yet I was really high, you know levels of of inflammation. So, that led me to kind of do an even deeper dive into specific nutrients and their role in our body and, and how important it is for um, you know, plant-based vegans to complement their diet. Um, I like the idea of complementing as opposed to supplementing because I'm not adding in a bunch of the nutrients that already come from plants. I'm, I'm complementing all of the nutrients that come from plants with the nutrients that don't necessarily come from plants or, or aren't necessarily readily absorbed. In their plant form, so um, that's I think what we're we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I should also clarify. You you said the words uh, plant based vegan, which uh, actually isn't being redundant. I think what's important to understand there is that when you talk about plant based, and this is I think this is kind of becoming more commonplace, and I'm I'm glad because it, for a while there's been a lot of ambiguity, and there still is. But uh, plant based these days, and the way you're using it, refers to someone who's basically eating this way for their health, and they're doing so. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter whether or not they have an ethical or environmental motivation to eat this way, but they're just eating this way with with health kind of, you know, in the forefront. They're choosing foods that are whole and unprocessed for the most part. Um, so, and and when I think of a vegan, that could be someone. You know, there are plenty of unhealthy vegans. There are plenty of healthy vegans. It just doesn't really say anything about the types of vegan food that you eat. Whereas plant based seems to imply uh, more natural, more whole. So, wanted to make that distinct, distinction.
1: So I think that's a great uh, clarification, Matt. And, um, you know, I always describe it as, you know, uh, vegan to me is restrictive. It, it, it is the, you know, absence of animal products in the diet, whereas plant-based is a more uh, affirmative goal in that I'm, I'm trying to intake as many nutrient-dense foods as possible, right? Um, and they're, they're two sides of the same coin in, in many ways. Um, but like you said, it's, it's, a, it's an important distinction that I'm glad you point out, um, so in any event, that's, you know, like I said, the blood test is where I uh, kind of had this awakening that um, as much as I believed in the power of plants, um, not all nutrients come from plants. And uh, and so like I said, I kind of did a, a deep dive into understanding some of the nutrients that come from, you know, uh, bacteria or, or algae or the Earth's surface or the sun's rays and so anyway, I think that's a good place for us to uh to kick off our discussion of supplements.
0: Yeah, let's do that because uh because there is so much controversy about what we need and don't need. Uh it's very hard to know who to trust and I'm not going to pretend that just because we're saying it, therefore you should trust us. Uh but I I just the conversations we've had over the past few months uh About this, just to me, have have, as I said, driven home this point that like it's not, it doesn't have to be that complicated, and I think we can give people a lot of uh, takeaways here. So let's do that. Can you can you give first an overview of of what uh, you know what will be, what specific nutrients are at least worth discussing, and then uh, we'll just jump off from there.
1: Well, first, before we get into you know the particular uh, nutrients that that might be missing from a typical plant based diet, um, let me put in a, a huge caveat, which is you know, we should all strive to get the vast majority of our, of our nutrients from whole plants, right? I think we all agree on that, um, except in very rare cases where uh, particular diseases need supplementation. You know, I think uh, we can all agree that there are just thousands of phytonutrients that have these synergistic effects on our body, and, uh, you know, eating them in whole form, you know, in the, in the natural context uh, in which those nutrients um, are created uh, is just a better thing for your body. So that being said, um, uh, there are seven uh, nutrients that I kind of typically talked about, some controversy around in terms of um, what plant-based vegans may be uh, more likely to, to develop deficiency in. Um, and that is uh, B12, vitamin D, uh, two omega-3s, which are DHA and DPA, uh, iodine, selenium, zinc, and uh, K2. So uh, w- without further ado, I guess let's, let's dive into the most commonly discussed one, which is B12. Um, you know, I, I think, Matt, most people are, are familiar. This comes from soil bacteria, and uh, as a result, you know, unless you're eating— soil, which I do not recommend, um, you're, you're not getting B12, right? And, uh, you know, especially given how modern agriculture and, and other human behaviors have just decimated these uh, soil bacterial colonies, um, you know, the, the amount of B12 that is on any given plant is, is going to be reduced. But on top of that, you know, in our super sanitized world, we, we thoroughly wash food um and that just further reduces the chances that you're getting any amount of of B12 through natural sources. So um yeah, I mean, you
0: that's, know, a, that's a huge one. like that that is the most obvious, the most clear. We need B12. Uh and yet still there are there are people out there who and I'm not trying to vilify them or anything, that we're kind of a lot of us are on the same side. Uh but who are really reluctant to take that, right? They don't want to take any supplement. And I think I think a large part of that is uh, basically to prove that that you can eat in, in this way, you know, eat a plant-based diet, a vegan diet, uh, and that you don't need supplements with it. So I think, I mean, I just hope we're at, we're at the point where we can kind of get past that. When we can get past the point of of avoiding supplementing because as if somehow it is wrong to take a B12 supplement because that's, that's admitting that your diet is bad. Um, I, I just think there's so much evidence out there. In this plant, like this plant-based diet is not a niche little thing anymore. It's a, it's a real thing, and there's so much good evidence for why it works really well. Even if you have to take a B12 supplement, so I'm just putting oh. that out there because it does. It, it's a common thing. I know there are people out there who who you know still think just by eating their dirty produce that they're going to get the B12 they need. And you know who knows maybe they will. But I think the harm is is more than the than the good when when you know both of us Matt want. To, Vegans to thrive and do well, uh, and to be really healthy, good examples of how well this diet works. So, uh, I, you know, I just, uh, I just am trying to get people to move past that idea of, of, you know, defending their diet by not eating B twelve, not taking a B twelve supplement.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree more. And look, I, I'm, you know, I'm a purist in the sense that, like, I, I really dislike pills um, and and the idea of supplementation. And you know, I, I try to rely on nutritional yeast um, because that's a great source of B twelve. Um, But I couldn't agree with you more that, you know, we we do as a kind of community need to move past that because at the end of the day, you know, it's just not good for our brand to have, you know, sick and feeble plant-based vegans walking around because they refuse the supplement with, you know, what are vital nutrients to a thriving body. Um, you know, and, and so I, I totally agree with you in that way.
0: Yeah. And just to clarify, you mentioned, uh, nutritional yeast. I don't want someone to hear that and say, oh, okay, well, so there actually is a good plant based or, or plant source of B12. It's nutritional yeast. Uh, nutritional yeast is fortified with B12. So it's right, a lot right. of people ch- get that as a, as their source and then they don't need to take a pill. Uh, but someone who takes that regularly or eats, eats nutritional yeast regularly is in effect supplementing. Uh, it's just in a form that, that looks a lot like food.
1: Right. Which is, you know, why, why. I say I, I don't like the notion of supplementing, right? Because you're not you're not adding to you know the nutrients you get from a, a plant based diet. I mean, uh, of course you are in a sense, um, but it's not about adding more to that group of plant based nutrients. You're you're complementing it because you're adding in what doesn't necessarily uh, exist in those plants, right? And and there are a bunch of great brands out there now. Um, uh, shoot, I'm <laughs> I, I'm I'm blanking on the name, but you know, the, these kinds of uh, peanut butters that are infused with uh, flax seeds and some omegas and, and B12, right? So there's lots of ways that you can um, increase your uh, intake of this nutrient, um, and you you got to do it, you know, whatever the form it is.
0: Yeah, and uh, the other recommendation I have is like, that's cool, I think, that that we're coming out with these alternative ways to take a B12 supplement, basically, Um just, I, I've never really done that because I can't reliably do it. You know, like, if, if you take that like it's your supplement, then good. I, I've never been able to make it work where I say, okay, well, I'll just get my B12 from nutritional yeast because I know I eat that every now and then. Like, I'm I like I'm someone who likes to say, like, okay, at right before bed, I take my supplement or whatever time it might be. Um, That's when I'm taking my supplement. So if you're going to do the peanut butter thing, peanut butter cup thing, just make sure you have a daily way to make that, like, a thing that happens or or weekly or whatever they say you should do it but uh i think it's a little bit dangerous to say like well i'll just i'll just do this occasionally when i think of it because that's how i'll get my b12 yeah
1: great point all um right. go ahead well, with that no not at all um I, I, let's let's move on to the omegas um slightly more complicated <laughs> but you know uh, omega-3 fatty acids play a a role in every cell of the body you know it, it makes up cell membranes it keeps your nervous system functioning it, it keeps your cholesterol in check uh, staves off inflammation i mean are just there's so many benefits associated with omega-3s that you know we could spend hours just on that and and i think getting too much into any of those would would just be totally inadequate so let's just leave it at the fact that like you absolutely need omega-3s um and what 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 gets complicating is that we can technically synthesize these nutrients. Um, you know, the human body is capable of producing all the fatty acids it needs, except for two, uh, which are you know linoleic acid and alpha linoleic acid. Uh, ones uh, the former is an omega six, the latter is an omega three, and uh, and from them we can actually create um, EPA and DHA, which are the the subject of my recommendation. Um, the challenge is, is that our, our body is really bad in terms of efficiency of uh, converting from the omega-6s to these omega-3s, um, and it even depends on the ratio um, with which you ingest omega-6s and omega-3s. So, but
0: you, oh, just to uh, clarify again, just because I yeah. know this, this, I don't want to confuse people. Um, ALA, which you mentioned, is an omega-3, right? Yes. Yes. So it's not just it's not just 6s to 3s, It's it's even converting ALA to DHA or EPA, yeah, one, one form of omega-3 into these other forms.
1: Right, exactly. It's, it's omega-6, thanks for clarifying. It's omega-6 that acts as a blocking agent, effectively, right? So if you eat, I mean, for instance, like um, walnuts, right? Walnuts have uh, five times the amount of omega-6 as they do omega-3s. So because omega-6 inhibits the conversion of omega-3 to DHA and EPA, you know, walnut walnuts are, are a great food for so many reasons, and and they're, you're going to get a little DHA and EPA from them, but but it's not going to be sufficient because you know you have this kind of deluge of omega six blocking that conversion. So I don't want to make it too complicated. <laughs> you know, the point is that uh, I I also don't want to be intellectually dishonest and say like you absolutely need these uh, these two nutri- nutrients from uh, uh, an exogenous source. Um, the point is, is simply that, you know, it, it can be converted, um, you know, but it converts at like a, a 2 to 10% kind of uh, factor. So you would need to eat like 10 to 50 times the amount of ALA just to get, you know, the the bare minimum for EPA and DHA. And if you're looking to thrive, you know, that that's not a really good bet, right?
0: Yeah. So I, this is a really important thing. Uh, and at the risk of, of just hammering home a point that maybe... Seventy percent of the audience already gets. Uh, I don't want the rest of the audience to think, okay, I'm getting my omega threes because I'm eating walnuts and flax seeds, right? So that it's very easy to do that, and I did that when I was, you know, first I don't know a few months of after being vegetarian. So did I? Right? <laughs> I, probably everyone does. We think omega threes. I'm going to go get omega threes from this omega three source, but that's giving you ALA, and as you mentioned, the DHA and EPA. Most people aren't very good at converting the ALA into that. Now there are some people who can do it, and I think you can figure that out with a blood test. Uh, Who can do it effectively, I should say. Um, But the fact is, most people from a plant-based diet are not converting enough ALA uh, into DHA and EPA. Is Is that
1: accurate, Matt? Right. Yeah, good summary. You know, and, and I guess just to, to add to that, right? If you're looking for ALAs, which are also really critical uh, nutrients for so many reasons, um, you know, you, you can get them in flax, chia, you know, soybeans, hemp seeds, walnuts, like I mentioned. Um, you know, the the critical thing to remember with flax and chia seeds is that our digestive system can't actually break down those seeds, so you have to crush them um, or grind them or chew them, right? But um, just something to, to keep in mind because they'll just pass straight through your GI tract. Um, and and I guess so to to get back to the point, right? Um, in terms of plant based sources of DHA and EPA, um, it, it's pretty much just microalgae and seaweed, right? Um, and so you might ask, well, how's an omnivore, you know, consuming it? It's because fish eat the microalgae and then that's deposited in the you know oily fatty part of their body. Um, which is obviously why, you know, people supplement with, uh, you know, fish oils for their omega-3s. Um, but then humans also eat the fish, or the, the fish are used in uh, feedstock for, for other animals, and then they, we eat those animals. So it, unless you're consuming a ton of microalgae and seaweed directly, um, there's just not going to be a, uh, a plant-based source in your diet. Um, again, this is where the distinction comes in from, uh, Uh, with certain Asian populations that are eating a ton of seaweed. But uh, even still, it's a very low concentration because of the extremely low fat content, um, except for DHA-rich microalgae. But again, your your best bet, I guess, to kind of summarize this kind of complicated topic is that you need to supplement with a a microalgae-derived DHA or EPA supplement. It's just you know, kind of one of those things like B12, you're just not going to accomplish it through natural plant-based sources. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Next one. Moving on from that one, right? Yeah. Let's go go to vitamin D, right? Another, you know, just doesn't exist in plants. um, And that's because we get it uh, from the sun, right? And uh, for anyone who's not aware, vitamin D might, you know, it is just an absolutely critical nutrient. I mean, it's linked to heart disease, you know, bone health, muscle health. Um, you know, even the latest studies have have been tying it to cancer, and you know, obviously your immune function. So, uh, vitamin D is is critical. And um, this one, I guess, is controversial because it doesn't have anything to do with you know your your dietary intake in many ways. Although so many you know milks and other animal products are supplemented with vitamin D, I think that's why it often comes up. In terms of you know plant-based and vegan populations, mm-hmm. um, you know my take on the uh, on the situations that you know if, if you're living north of the line connecting San Francisco and, and Philadelphia, um, you're probably not getting enough vitamin D. And uh, same goes for if you're not getting outside and having a 15-minute daily walk in the sun, you're probably not getting vitamin D. And I think I just saw the latest statistic saying 95%. Of uh, Americans are, are deficient in D, you know, and that's because we wear clothes and you know we work in office buildings and like we're just not out in the sun enough for our body to synthesize all that we need. So, um, you know, really easy point: you probably need to supplement with vitamin D. Um, you know, by the way, interesting fact: um, thirty minutes in the sun leads to you know blood serum levels that are comparable to ten thousand IU of vitamin D. So. I mean, you you just create so much really quickly through sun exposure. Um, you know, I, I guess the sen- second fun factoid would be that uh, because that vitamin D is actually synthesized and sits on top of your skin. Um, if you're deficient in D, it might be a good excuse for you not to shower because showering actually just rinses all the D off of your skin, and you can't get that reabsorption. So. Hmm. I know my wife didn't like when I found that out. Honestly, <laughs> it led to some experimentation that was less than uh, ideal for our relationship.
0: <laughs> All right, good. But the fact, so D, I think I'm, I've been happy to see. It seems that it's almost like the new B12. Not that it's replacing B12, but it's like it's this other one, this other vitamin that has sort of come into the light as a as common knowledge among plant based dieters that uh, it's it's worth supplementing along with your your B12 more so than DHA EPA, which I think is also very important, but um, yeah, so it, it's good news, I think, that, that this is happening. Also, though, again, easy to just assume that because we get it from the sun, you don't need to supplement with it. Or because, whatever, you go outside, right. or because you're a runner or whatever, you don't need to supplement. So I just I don't know that it's that easy to say that. I'd, I'd, I'd rather supplement, and I do supplement with it. Um, but I think that's, that's an interesting point, and, and I think something our friend Sid Garza-Hillman, he has done some lengthy experiments with not showering at all and uh, he, i don't think it was for because of vitamin d but i think but it does it did come back to a basically like the idea that it's perhaps not natural to rinse yourself off under hot water with soap and shampoo every single day like it's just not something that has probably happened a whole lot during the course of our our evolution with the exception of the last 50 to 100 years uh, so you know like that that would partly explain why nowadays with modern lifestyle not just working in an office building um but but also taking showers right that that it's there becomes this need to supplement again
1: right and uh you know by the way i don't want to go too far off field but a lot of my research into the 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 microbiome you know all the bacteria that makes up what a a human body is um has led to similar experience with like soap and whatnot and I, i totally agree with sid you know i think it's absolutely unnatural and uh yeah i won't go into the details again for fear my wife will be just <laughs> mortified when she lives listens to this but uh but yeah i agree with it i'll just leave it at that um <laughs> okay. and to your other point you know uh, again like uh I, I don't think this is about vegans versus omnivores you know Th- this is just a reality you know and if you have any question just you know go get a, a blood test and find out what your serum d levels are yep. um which actually is a good segue into zinc because um, that's another kind of controversial one that is probably easiest uh, answered by, you know, looking for the symptoms and uh, and consulting your doctor and maybe doing some tests. But um, let, let me back up and say zinc, you know, it, it, it's responsible. I think it's something like 100 a, a different enzymes um, are, are stimulated based on, you know, zinc in your body. So you know, everything from regulating immune function, which is obviously why it's often recommended for helping cut the duration of the common cold, um, to, you know, the way, you know, re- regulating how neurons communicate with one another and, and therefore how m- memories are formed and how we learn. Like, it, it's, just, it's just incredibly important to get adequate zinc. Um, the reason why it's controversial is because there are a ton of plant-based Sources, you know, from tofu, tempeh, you know, legumes, grains, nuts, seeds, and obviously there are fortified products as well. Um, you know, those are all great and really varied sources of zinc. The issue is that um, a lot of those come with phytates, you know, and those can reduce the absorption. Um, I've seen some research that suggests that. Uh, it reduces zinc absorption as much as 50%. So it's like you have to eat twice as much as as you want to um, in order to ensure you're getting an adequate zinc um, uh, intake. Uh, I I will just share for the audience that... uh, at least in terms of kind of population-wide studies. The last one I I looked at was a 2013 meta-analysis that showed vegans actually have only slightly lower serum zinc level than non-vegetarians, and that was even more so the case, uh, meaning that the difference was even smaller in developed countries. So uh, there's some evidence that zinc might not be as critical for plant-based vegans to supplement with, Um, that said again, you know, the easiest way to figure that out is just go get a blood test, you know, look for some of these symptoms, um, and see for yourself.
0: Okay, good. So, I mean, I think B12D and DHA, EPA, D might be a slight exception. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that most people should be supplementing with those things. Zinc, one that is less clear and more, more maybe, you know, to do, to, to go do some self-testing and figure out or have a doctor do your test for you um, and, and figure out whether or not you d- need to supplement with it.
1: Right. And I mean, there's, there, there's no downside, right? So, you know, uh, taking a small amount of zinc on a daily basis as a precaution, um, you know, might be a good idea for a lot of people. But again, I, I just think I'm a huge proponent of self-experimentation. So I always encourage people to, to get to, to know their body a little bit better. It's, it's a pretty fascinating thing. <laughs> um, speaking of complexity, <laughs> Uh, let's go to K2 real quick, um, which, you know, is is really complicated, but the simplest way to understand why K2 is important um, is just to, to remember that uh, K2 helps move calcium into the proper places in your body, like your bones and your teeth, um, and it helps remove calcium from the areas that it shouldn't be, like your arteries and your soft tissues. So um, in that way, you know, K2 plays a critical role in protecting your heart and your brain and building strong bones, Um, and it's also been uh, associated with cancer protection. In in fact, I just saw um, a study uh, out of the Czech Republic that, you know, pointed to low-grade and systemic inflammation, which obviously damages your tissues and and is tied to so many diseases like cancer and heart disease, Um, but that K2 actually, you know, played a huge role in reducing Inflammation. So, just one more reason why it's really important. Um, so, to get into a little bit of the complexity, because I think there's a lot of controversy around this one. And one, because the science is relatively new, and and two, because a lot of people don't realize that vitamin K uh, actually comes in multiple forms. You know, and so when you l- hear about maybe you need a supplement with vitamin K, and then you go and look, and it's like it's it's widely available in um, so many leafy green vegetables. Uh, In fact, vitamin K1 comes from those green vegetables, right? Um, And it's K2 that comes from bacteria. Um, It's probably in your gastrointestinal tract right now, um, but you're not able to absorb that as readily. So a little bit of a a distinction there that's really important to understand. Um, And because... K2 is produced by microorganisms. Um, Plant-based people can get it from fermented soybeans, for instance. Um, Again, this comes back to that distinction with Asian populations because natto is a really popular um, food product for them that apparently has just a really pungent taste, and most Westerners can't do it. Um, But if you're getting your daily uh, intake of natto, um, then you're good, and you don't have to worry about K2. K2. Um, although there is a little bit of a a question about how much K2 is in these fermented foods. So you got to be careful there. Um, you know,
0: and tempeh and miso are also fermented soybean products, but those happen not to be high in K2.
1: Right. Great point. Yeah. So, I mean, again, not all fermented items have K2, um, but you might be able to get them from K2. I, I think given what we're finding out more and more with each study that's published, um, it's not one that you want to risk, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I where I come out on this debate is absolutely this is something that you need to supplement. Um, you know, unless you're eating large quantities of, of natto and, and you do regular blood tests that indicate that, you know, everything is really great in your body, um, I, I would just suggest it as a precautionary um, precautionary tool to, to make sure you're, you know, optimizing for longevity. Um one one kind of important caveat, uh, and I, I'm not going to get into the the uh, categories of K2 because you can further break it down. And um, there there are two types of K2 uh, that are important to just realize. Um, MK7 is the one you want to look for. It's a it's a longer chain form that is found in fermented foods, and um, the reason why it, it, it's beneficial is one, it's it's a natural bacterial derived form of K2, and, and therefore great for for plant-based folks um but it also stays in your body longer and it and it has a longer half-life so you don't have to take it as um as frequently um the other one that i'd point out is mk4 which you know you might actually find in a supplement but um that is not derived from natural food products containing mk4 it's it's a synthetic form so for those of us who really believe in kind of organic and natural, um, you, you want to look for MK7.
0: Okay, good. Well, that is complicated. You, you delivered on your <laughs> promise there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. I guess, you know, to, to sum it up, there are two types of vitamin K. You know, K1 comes from your leafy vegetables. You're getting plenty from plants. K2, you're not. You need to supplement with something that contain, contains MK7, right?
0: Okay. All right. We're we're
1: simple. It's simple from here on out. I promise. Right. (laughs) Good. Um, uh, Iodine. Let's just knock that one out. You know, your um, iodine is critical for your thyroid hormones. So um, you know, those obviously control your body's metabolism and a bunch of other important functions. So uh, you need you know iodine to make sure you know proper regulation of your thyroid hormone that leads to you know the the appropriate brain and bone development, uh, especially during pregnancy and, and for children. So, um, you know, that one actually is pretty readily available, particularly in sea vegetables, again, uh, where the distinction with Asian cuisines comes in because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very much um, uh, readily absorbable from kelp and a bunch of other, you know, wakami and, and uh, these high iodine foods. Um, if you're not eating those um, those sea uh, vegetables, then uh, iodized salt is another option. Um, you got to be careful with that because it can have uh, just a, a ton of iodine in it. Um, and obviously, you want to be careful about sodium intake. Uh, but I think it's important and, and one of the reasons why uh, so much controversy exists around it is because most people in our tribe are not using iodized table salt you know that we're using pink himalayan salt or you know or rock salt or whatever it is um, and so you are potentially liable for an iodine deficiency so um I, I think that one's an important one to supplement with
0: yeah let's let's stop there just a minute uh, to make it more clear even that that iodized salt is is like uh, nutritional yeast that we mentioned earlier where it has right. been fortified with iodine it's, it's not it doesn't have it naturally. Uh, so, it has been fortified, I guess, as a public service. And what actually you'll find is that if I started looking for this in stores, because I was kind of, I've, I've been, you know, trying to figure out my own supplementation and do I want to take a full multivitamin or can I get these certain things from different sources? Uh, and even like the generic off brand things that are called sea salt. Typically are not iodized, so I think I think the idea probably from the food manufacturer is that anyone who who is just looking to the point of thinking sea salt in their head rather than just good old Morton's table salt, uh, and even Morton's makes a sea salt, that the person as soon as they say sea salt in their head, they want natural, so therefore we're not going to put iodine in that one. So you know even something that almost seems like you're buying generic brand salt if it says sea salt typically there's going to be a message on there that says this salt does not contain iodine which is an essential mineral or whatever it is um so that's important like like it, know whether or not you're getting it from your salt and i'm not necessarily saying that you should or should not get it from your salt it's kind of up to you and how you want to supplement with it um i found that when i when i was relying on iodized salt as my iodine source and I, and i was conscious of that fact uh, I did actually find myself sprinkling more salt on my food, which is, that's kind of my, like, problem area as far as food goes. I, I really like salty food, and that's that's the thing that I'm worst about, I think, in my diet, is that I, I just work hard to not use as much salt as I would like to. Uh, but once that was my iodine source and I knew it, it just felt like it was permission now to start using salt all the time. So uh, I actually don't get it from, from that anymore. We're back on the uh, the good old gray salt or whatever, whatever fancy color of salt we're these days using. (laughs) Uh,
1: Good distinction and important. uh, um, Yeah. So I think we, we, you know, whether you're supplementing from iodized salt um, or you're, you're supplementing in another form, uh, if you're not getting it from kelp or some other sea vegetable, it's an important one. Yeah. One more, one Uh,
0: more fun fact, I guess if it's fun, uh, is that the reason that, the, so like pretty much anyone getting iodine who's not eating the foods you mentioned, which not a lot of Westerners are, uh, so including people who don't eat plant-based diets, uh, is getting it in some sort of fortification form. And even people who are eating dairy products. So the reason that vegans need to think even more about this than than vegetarians or omnivores, is not just the salt issue, but it turns out that the equipment that they use in in dairy processing. Plants or farms or whatever it is that that is cleaned with a substance that containing contains iodine, so it gets picked up in the dairy products, uh, and then the the dairy products are essentially fortified in that way with iodine.
1: That is a fun fact.
0: How, I mean, how fun is that, right? Yeah. No, I don't. I didn't <laughs> Does know it that. Get more fun than that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Um, all right, last one. Selenium. Yeah, selenium, uh, you know, trace mineral, it's, it's found naturally in soil again. Uh, it, it does appear in, in certain foods and there's even a small amount in water. Um, you know, it, it's another one of these vital minerals because, you know, it increases immunity. It, it plays a role in antioxidant activity, which, you know, as most of us know, it, it is defends against free radical damage and inflammation. Um, you know, it even plays a role in, in, Uh, maintaining a healthy metabolism so selenium is really important um i I think that you know based on the plant sources that provide selenium and there's no kind of blockage issue as you might find with like zinc um there's no reason to supplement with selenium you know uh, brazil nuts you know if you ever listen to michael greger on this topic you know he says pop one of those a day um i guess that that's kind of (laughs) similar to sort of a supplementing uh um Process, but you it know is, Brazil but it's nuts all food, right? It is. right? Exactly. You know, um, and and same with shiitake and you know, even white button mushrooms. I've actually I made a list here: uh, Lima and pinto beans, chia seeds, brown rice, uh, sunflower, sesame, flax seeds, broccoli, cabbage, and spinach. All of them have selenium. And if you want to make sure that you're getting uh, your your daily allowance, uh, just pop that Brazil nut. Um, so I guess. Yeah,
0: do you th- to, well, sorry to interrupt, but, Matt. Do you think that's enough cuz this is kind of like uh, the the nutritional yeast issue again right like people can say well i'm going to i'm just going to make sure i eat that now and then do you think from what you just said and granted it's different cuz these are foods that naturally contain it that's not fortification happening um, is it safe for someone to have heard that and say well i eat a good amount of cabbage and lima beans and uh, you know that chia seeds therefore i don't need to worry about selenium like that's fine like do you think that's a safe thing to say uh, or is it or is it you need a lot of those things or should you go get blood tested right which is is the the answer it seems to all these questions
1: yeah you hit it on its head right (laughs) like i i don't i don't believe there is a safe answer you know and uh i think anyone who provides a cut and dry um uh sort of prognosis or prescription as it relates to food and medicine and health um you know they just must be way smarter than me because the human body is just so complex and the the synergistic effects of of how you eat things and you know and what combinations and and when you know and and your your natural kind of you know genetic and um epidemiological uh status if you will you know and and how your body reacts to each one of these things and each one of these things in combination like it's just mind-numbing complexity so mm-hmm. my view on all these things is like make yourself aware of what we've now defined as the, the seven possible deficiencies. Um, you know, uh, doesn't take a lot of time to, to look for, um, an explanation of some of the the symptoms and warning signs that you should, you know, keep a heads up for. Um, and if you're concerned at all, you know, just go and get a blood test and, you know, work with your doctor and explain what you're trying to do. And, and most of these things can be easily answered in that kind of, uh, that kind of way. But to answer your direct question about the selenium, you know, I think if you are making a conservative conscious effort to eat Brazil nuts and chia seeds and brown rice and broccoli and, you know, you're, you're rounding out those, um, nutritional needs, uh, you know, the science suggests that that should be adequate.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, I think the way that, that, uh, is, is a nice middle ground is treating the food like a supplement, which we kind of said, like, it's, it almost seems like that's a bad thing, but you're still getting it from a whole food source. And if you can do it in a reliable kind of systematic way that says, you know, I eat a Brazil every day or every week or whatever it is, uh, you know, I I feel like that's way more reliable than saying, well, I eat a lot of brown rice and I eat some cabbage and, and pinto beans, so I'm pretty sure I'll get what I need. So I I like that middle ground a little bit better, where you treat the food like a supplement and make sure you get it.
1: Right, and look, I mean, there there are <laughs> thousands of phytochemicals. You know, thankfully there are only you know ten or twenty really essential nutrients and fatty acids and what have you. So um, you know, it's a relatively list, and we've now just defined you know the the seven that. Uh, you might want to pay particular attention to because they're not abundantly available in a reasonably diverse plant-based diet. So it, it's a relatively small um, kind of intellectual output that you need to, to do um, just to keep yourself, you know, well-rounded in this way.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to end on uh, because the, the mistake that I made, or one of, you know, not that I only made one mistake, but I made several mistakes, as I was new at vegetarian and vegan. Uh, and one of the biggest ones was, was kind of just turning a blind eye to this and, and just, it was, it's so easy to fall into that trap well, where you feel great cause you're eating all these plant foods and you feel high energy. Like you said, like you, everything was great until you went to the doctor and realized that, that something was off. And I think a lot of these things that we talked about here, like the, the problems that arise from deficiencies, they might just show up in, in some pretty subtle symptom that, that isn't totally obvious and that you can live with for a while. But if you go several years deficient in some of these things, I mean, I feel like you're, you're kind of a lot of these problems are, are more chronic or longer term in nature that, that they'll show up later and, and at the cost of longevity or quality of life later on. So, uh, one of my regrets is that I, I wasn't mindful of this stuff in the early days. Uh, and I went a, a long time without even supplementing with B12. And then I, I actually started to have some of the symptoms of B12 deficiency. Never never was diagnosed as that being a problem, but kind of fixed it myself. And, uh, and those symptoms went away. But then it took another, I don't know, year or two before I started thinking about D and DHA EPA. And then another year after that before I started thinking about the other ones. So... Uh, you know, I just putting that out there as a, as a reminder that, that just be mindful about this. I'm not saying you need to take all this stuff, but be mindful. Just don't, don't fall into like the, Oh, I feel great. So therefore everything is good. Uh, because like I said, it, it's quite possible that, that a deficiency is, or will show up, uh, you know, slowly, subtly without you really noticing. And, right. uh, and it's not a good thing.
1: No, I think that's a, that's a great ending note. and Like I said, or, or like I shared in the. In the start of this conversation, you know, um, there, there's just no way of knowing a lot of this stuff, you know, and it manifests, you know, way later in life with these you know, kind of chronic conditions because, you know, you had some strange deficiency that you're just not paying attention to and impossible to naturally detect. So um, I guess just to summarize, I think where we came out is uh, K2, uh, omegas in particular, DHA and EPA, iodine, B12, vitamin D. You know, those are the supplements I take, um, along with zinc. But that's one that you know is kind of a you probably need it, not necessarily. So look out for some of the warning signs, and maybe consult a, a licensed healthcare professional. Um, and then selenium, you know, it's it's probably unnecessary to supplement in in some sort of isolated form, but you know, treat it as a supplement and be really conscientious about um, making sure you get the adequate intake on a on a daily basis.
0: Good. Okay. Well, perfect place to leave off and uh i hope people have enjoyed this episode i know it's a little bit more more intense perhaps um <laughs> full of of information hopefully the fun facts serve to keep it light
1: um or, yeah, or just remember you need. don't need to shower yeah. <laughs> right. it's, that's the takeaway <laughs> that's the big takeaway yep you don't need to shower and sit is celebrating somewhere <laughs> that's right
0: all right, good. Well, Matt, thank you for your time. I uh, hope people have enjoyed getting to know you, and uh, surely we'll have you back on sometime as you and I work together more and, and uh, you know, uh, I guess deepen our relationship.
1: Great. Well, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Matt. All
0: right, thanks a lot. See you later. Talk
1: you soon. Bye bye.